Hey, this is Kyle Turner, the lead pastor of Hillsong, Kansas City. Welcome to our podcast. We hope that it inspires you, encourages you, and most importantly, helps you get closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Can we welcome those watching online right now? We love you. Those live in the room, I love you guys so much. What a great day to be in church. What a great day to be alive. What a great day to lean in and to listen what the Holy Spirit wants to say to you. God's got something special in store. Those at home, those in the room, I think God's gonna speak to you in a powerful way. Do you believe that? How many of you love frontline faith? Frontline faith. We're on the front lines of what God wants to do next. And next starts right now, right here and right now. Amen? Hey, grab your seat. We're gonna jump into the Word today. As we continue on Frontline Faith, I got part two of my message from last week. It was so good, I didn't get to it all. At least I like to think it was good. Did you like it last week? No one here liked it. Okay. Second Corinthians chapter five, he has entrusted to us, the church, the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God. We are ambassadors of the anointed one, that's Jesus, who carry the message of Jesus, the message of Christ to the world. Your mission matters more than you know. Your life is more significant than you might be aware of. As though God were tenderly pleading with them, the world, directly through our lips. And what's our message? That we tenderly plead with the world around us, hey, come back to God. There is a God in heaven that loves you. There's a God in heaven who has a plan for you. There's a purpose for your life. There's a relationship that God risked it all so that you can know all that he is. What a message. What an honor to get to be the door opener, the ambassador, a reconciler between heaven and earth. It's not an obligation. You can choose to live in it or not. It really is, though, an honor and is the highest calling of humanity. Whatever your degree is in, whatever your career is in, whatever your family looks like, all those things are beautiful and wonderful and significant. The highest calling of humanity is to bring Jesus to the world around us. That you would be an avenue, avenue, a conduit of calling for the kingdom of God. You know, when we repeat what Jesus says to seek the kingdom first or the kingdom above all else, we normally share that in our time of giving, but that has a whole lot more to do with your living than just your giving. It is kingdom first. You can have big plans, big goals, wanna do great things in life, but it all starts with owning the opportunity and what we've been talking about in Front Life Faith, risking in relationship, relationship risk, so that God can do something everlasting, so that revival can come through your life. So whether you like it or not, you're on the front lines of faith. God chose you and chose me, chose us for such a time as this to bring heaven to earth. And the world needs it now more than ever before to bring the hope that we have in Christ, grace to bring the love of God to the hurting and broken world around us. Relationship risk today, part two, subtitle for all the note takers. It's called Everyday Heroes. You might not feel like your life matters. Oh, it matters so much more than you could ever know. It matters for the eternal things of God. Can we pray, those online in the room, can we pray? Let's get our hearts ready to hear from heaven. Lord, we need you. 
We invite you to come and speak. I've got a message prepared that you put on my heart, but your heart has a message for every open ear, every open mind, every open heart to speak directly to them where they need it the most. And God, we need you. In a world that's going so wrong, you're up to something so right, so good. What an honor it is to get to be used by you for things that are eternal. Help us own the front lines. Own the humility that it takes to risk in our relationships so that we can see revival in Kansas City and beyond. And Lord, we thank you that we will defeat the enemy's team, the Raiders today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Everyday heroes. Jesus, the ultimate hero. Would we all agree? Jesus, the ultimate hero. But what we see that's different between God honoring humility heroes and what the world calls heroes is that Jesus doesn't always take the limelight. Jesus doesn't always take the spotlight. Jesus actually chooses, sometimes we could have more acclaim, more opportunity to be a bigger deal in front of crowds. He actually chooses sometimes to go behind the scenes, to love just one person. He walks through Samaria to meet with just one person, the woman at the well. He doesn't always take the stage. Instead, he always takes up his cross, not for his own glory, for the glory of God, and ultimately not to help himself, but to serve and to help us. I think most people that are called heroes today in our culture are really just celebrities. Celebrities are people that make big headlines, but heroes are people that make a big difference. And the world is looking for fame. God's looking for faithful. God can make your life matter for so much more when you don't live for the attention of others, but you live from the attention, the affirmation, the affection of heaven, and you live for the applause in eternity, not just for the applause today. In a survey last year of 3,000 American and British, what we call tweenagers. I've got a tweenager in the house. My daughter Blair turned nine. It's between eight and 12. It's the tweenagers. I'm believing that her teenage years are going to go well in Jesus' name, but it's how we handle her in the tweens that figure out how she's going to be in the teens. Asked, they're asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know what didn't get a single percent point? Pastor, which whatever, that's fine. Cowboy wasn't listed as well, although that would have been mine back in the day. Astronaut was fourth which is a pretty lofty goal, I like that. But the highest number of people answered, 30% of these teenagers answered, I wanna be a YouTube star. <laughs> Come on, some people in our church are trying to be YouTube stars <laughs> as well. One in three American teenagers actually believe that they will be famous, that they will be a celebrity. But we all know that's highly unlikely. How much so is that if you just take on Wikipedia the, the, the known people accounts are notable people. In other words, they have an account on Wikipedia. They have a reference on Wikipedia, which is over 600,000 people that are still alive, many of which we don't know and never heard of. But if we take that as the lowest level of fame and we divide that into the global population of seven and a half billion. Here are the odds that your life will be famous. 0.00000. .00 yeah, eight, six. That's your chance of being a star. And if you like those odds, man, I am praying for you. There's no chance to, to, to be famous. 
But there's always a daily decision to be significant. And God needs less people looking for the affirmation of others and living for the applause of eternity. This is what an everyday hero does. You realize that your daily life matters for destinies, matters for eternity. Very few will have fame, but everyone can live heroic. I read this quote this week that time makes heroes but dissolves celebrities. People in the spotlight now will be forgotten tomorrow, but people that live heroically today will be remembered, the Bible says, for forever. That there's something eternal that the church lives for. A hero is someone who's selfless, sacrificial, puts the needs of others above their own. Those that are on the front lines of the faith, this is where the calling of the church, this is your calling. We live to be eternal heroes. That not everything that we receive and reward do we want in this life to come, but we want in the life to come. We're actually leveraging the now for the forever. And when you get that big picture viewpoint, you start willingly risking in relationships so that you can do what is said in 2 Corinthians 5, be an ambassador, be a door opener, be a gatekeeper for God and his kingdom. The Bible's filled with heroes, people of celebrity. We've looked at a few of them the last couple of weeks. We looked at David, we looked at Esther, and we're gonna look indirectly at the Apostle Paul today. You wanna turn in your Bibles, it's Acts chapter nine. I'm gonna read a big chunk of scripture and just pull some thoughts out about a relationship risk that took place and an everyday hero made a lasting difference, not just for one person, but for every single person that the Apostle Paul ever touched, which would include you and me, because before Paul was a hero, and before Paul was famous, he was actually a villain named Saul. On a relentless pursuit to persecute and to crush Christianity and Christians. I love what this story teaches us. That Saul to Paul conversion story tells us that Jesus is not in pursuit of just nice people. Jesus is in pursuit of all people. Bitter people, bad people, hurting people, even people that hurt people. Jesus is in pursuit of everyone. So do not have a stereotype in your mind of the kind of person you're called to reach. If they're a one, that is everyone that God is after. If they don't think like you, look like you, vote like you, talk like you, that's an everyone that God is after. And he can use a person like you a person like me, to do something that's eternal. It is Saul who is holding the coats and encouraging the attack of the very first martyr of our faith, Stephen. In Acts chapter 9, we see that Saul is on a journey to bring his his attack on the church to a new area, a new location. It's Damascus. He's out there. He might even murder the Christians in Damascus. Verse 1, meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath, and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. What a jerk. (laughs) So he went to the high priest, requested letters addressed to the synagogue leaders in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers in what the church was known back then as the way that he found there. And he wanted to bring them back, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. Now, if you grew up in church, you may have heard this story. As he's approaching Damascus, he's on the road to Damascus, on this mission, it says a light from heaven shone down around him, knocks him off his high horse, off of his mission against the church, and he has an encounter and a revelation 
with Jesus. Jesus says, yo, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why you hating is what he says. It's my translation of the Bible. You could pause there for a moment and say, okay, I love when God does that. I love when God just knocks someone off their high and mighty horse when they just see the light. Do you know how rare that is? So rare that you see it once in the New Testament, that God just knocks someone off their high horse, that God's light shows up. Do you know how God works every other time? He works through the light of the world. That's the church. That's not the church, that's you. God works through us. This is how God changes the world. He, he has this encounter with Jesus. He's blinded by the light. Enter your own song reference there. And he says, hey, go to the next city because I'm going to send someone to help you. Those that were with Saul, those that were traveling with him, his companions, his friends, his team, his squad, they don't know what's happening. They hear a voice, but they don't know about the encounter with Jesus. And Saul gets up off the ground in verse 8, finding out now he cannot see. He's been blinded. And his companions led him by hand to Damascus and were led to believe they left him there where he remained blind for three days, did not eat or drink. Saul is blind. He's experiencing something physically that he'd always experienced spiritually that he was once blinded in rage because he thought he was doing what is right, but he was doing the absolute opposite of the plan of God. Here is Saul, now blinded and alone, feeling his way around Damascus in the room by himself. And any time you are blinded in an area of your life, you live by your feelings. This is why don't be so frustrated with someone who's filled with hurt or someone who attacks, or someone who's against you, or antagonizes you, because there's an area of their life that they are blinded. When we're blinded, they live, we live by, by feelings. But we are one encounter away from redemption. That's what we learn in this story. And here comes the relationship risk. God picks out a guy named Ananias. Verse 10, that there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. Let me tell you everything else we know about this guy. He's a believer in Damascus. His name is Ananias. Also, we don't know anything else. We don't know another thing about him. We never learn anything else about him. Do you know what you have in common? You're a believer in Kansas City, and there are people all around us, living in the dark, people antagonizing, people broken, people hurting, and yet God has picked Ananias just like he wants to pick you and say, have I got a mission for you? We don't know anything about his family. We don't even know much about his faith. The next few verses, we just see that he's willing to take a relationship risk. And because of that, revival breaks out in the risk. What would happen if you'd begin to risk? This is an everyday guy. Just one day to the next, God picks him out for a special assignment that would be so much more, so much more momentum for the mission of Jesus because an everyday person said yes to risk. Now there's a believer in Damascus named Ananias. 
The Lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias. I love his response. It's yes, Lord. Notice there is not a question mark on that passage. When he says yes, he is excited to hear from God. To me, it speaks the fact that he's got intimacy with the spirit and the presence of God. This is a known voice in his life. And guess what? For you and I, we can have that same closeness to the Holy Spirit. We can know the voice that when God speaks, we're not questioning, God, is that you? Saul questioned who that was when he gets knocked off his horse on the road to Damascus. But Ananias knows the voice of the Holy Spirit. And he says, yes, Lord, I've been waiting to hear from you. What do you have for me today? The Lord says, go over to Straight Street. I love that the first thing that God says to him is go. Be a person of action to the house of Judas. Different Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias, a.k.a. that's you, coming to him and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard about this guy. Terrible things I've heard that he did to the church, those in Jerusalem. And he's been authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls on your name. Have you ever fought back with God? How many know Ananias is not giving the Lord, sovereign Lord of heaven and earth, any information that he doesn't already know? God asks you to forgive someone like, but Lord, you don't know. Yeah, you do know, actually, don't you? Okay. But, but God, what about? No, you already figured that out. Can we just be the yes people to God? Can we just be the go people to God? Whenever he's asking of you right now, it might be forgiveness, it might be generosity, it might be serving, it might be sacrificial. Can you not fight with the one who already has it all figured out? Could God actually know what he's doing in Ananias' life and Saul's life and in your life? He already knows. He says, the Lord says, go again. Same words he said before, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. Verse 16, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Ananias is like, whew, God, he's not getting off the hook that easy. Lighten up, it's a joke, okay. Wow, tough crowd, I know those online were laughing. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterwards, he ate some food, regained his strength, his sight and his strength returned. What we're gonna find out is the same zeal that he had, thinking he was doing what was right for God when he was against the church. He's got that strength back, but with the hands-on help of an everyday hero who is willing to risk in relationship, he gets a new vision for his life. He is no longer coming up the church for what he's against. He's now the carrier of the calling of Jesus to the world, known world around him. And this is the power of a relationship risk.
This is the power and the providence of an everyday hero, not running from difficulty, but stepping into the awkward. This is the power of being a hands-on minister to the people around you, not preaching at them from a distance, but loving them up close. Is that the people that used to be against you, the people you thought were too far gone, are actually now on the front lines with you, expanding the kingdom of God all around. Verse 17, so Ananias went and found Saul. I'm telling you, this is what the church needs more than ever, that we're on a mission, like Jesus said when he ministered to Zacchaeus, to seek and to save the lost. If the mission of Jesus matters to you, you live your life aware and open to the speaking of the Holy Spirit and ready to engage with the broken world that's around you. I've already said it, but in verse 10, his reply to God is, yes, Lord, with exclamation. I believe this, everyday heroes, why don't you write this down? Have an attitude of, I'm already in. I've already decided that I'm in for whatever God asks. And if you can live that way in frontline faith, God will do wonders through your life. Destinies will be unlocked through your leadership and influence. Revival will come to the people around you when you're not waiting for him to give all the details, but you just answer with a yes. This is what I like to call living in the yes. And if you are not living in the yes in any area of your life in leadership for God, it's because you've lost the viewpoint of how good God has already been to you. When we get a view of the mercies of God, the Bible says we offer ourselves freely as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord. So if there's a no in your heart towards anything that God is asking you to do or not to do, it's because you have a limited viewpoint of what he's already done for you. I'm preaching better than you're letting on right now. I'm gonna go over to this crowd over here because they like me more. I see that head now, that's all I need to keep going. I'm already in, because I'm already saved. And if God doesn't do anything else for me, I'm already good. I'm gonna be with him for forever. So I don't need some temporary things to bring fulfillment. I know God's good and he's got me. I know God will provide for me. I know that God has good things in store for me, but he's already been so good to me that if he asks it, the answer is yes. When does he want it? Okay, the answer is now, I'll go. Are you saying yes with a question mark or yes with an exclamation point? If you've gotten it wrong in times past, this story is very similar to Jonah's in the Old Testament where he was bigoted towards the Ninevites and went the wrong way. But by the grace and mercy of God, how much more so is this true in our New Testament life that we get to go back on ground, back out of despair and back on mission? He's on straight street. Go straight to the situation. Some of you have been taking the long way. The shortest distance between two points is a straight line. What is the last thing God has asked you that you haven't said yes to yet? What's the last area of obedience? What's the last moment of surrender and sacrifice? Can I tell you today, you're gonna love your life with God so much more when you just say yes and you get straight line towards the next step that he's called you to. But Lord, I've heard many people talking about, verse 13, the terrible things this man has done. You gotta realize he's putting himself in quite a risk. This would be like a, a Holocaust Jewish survivor in 1944 that escaped 
and is asking to go, God asked to go back and do preach to Hitler. This is a situation that could cost him his life. But you need to know about everyday heroes, those that are living in the relationship risk, as heroes find a courage greater than their comfort. There's a courage on the inside of you. I'm gonna tell you what it is. It's not your own strength or audacity. It is not your personality. It's the spirit of the living God. It's the Holy Spirit. It gives you courage to do your calling when it is uncomfortable. Because when you weigh your life in the balance, the reward is so much greater than the risk. Heroes might have holdups. We might have hangups, but we go anyway. We might have reservations, but we risk anyway. And if you're not stepping in to relationship risk, it's because you're not feeling the burden of the broken people around you. And you don't have to just wait to see opportunities. God actually wants you to keep moving forward in such a way that you're gonna create opportunities for his kingdom. Verse 17, Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him. Like, not his hands on him. He laid his hands on him. And he said, brother Saul, which is on the surface there, that just sounds like super Christian talk. Brother Saul. Hey, brother Josh. Hey, brother Cam. But this is the Greek word, Adelphos. Adelphos is a different type of brother. Adelphos means we are the same. The first thing he says to the killer of Christians in his moment of weakness, when he can do anything he wants to him, the first thing he does is accept him. He says, we are the same. Adelphos, we're the same. And this is what we need to understand because some of us have been living for Jesus for a long time. And we think we're nothing like the world. But apart from the grace and the goodness of God, apart from the cause of Christ, we were broken, we were hurt, we were sick with beyond repair, but we have a healer, his name is Jesus, who's restored us in our inside world. So when we look at the world in their addictions, we work at the world in their drama, in their pain, they might even be antagonizing to you. Your first words are no, but apart from the grace of God, I'm actually the same as you. We are the same. We're in this spiritual family, and he laid hands on him. I think heroes are hands-on in their help. Not just words. Come on. No one needs your post. If you don't post this in two minutes, Jesus won't return. What is that? I see a lot of believers getting real bold with their keyboard warriors, keyboard gangsters about their political beliefs. And I want you to be able to speak your mind and speak your heart, but let's make sure we're speaking the message that matters the most is that the world is lost and Jesus saves. And here I am, God, you can use me. And instead of bringing more division, why don't we bring more grace into the conversation and let's get hands on in our help of humanity. Saved people serve people. I can tell your faith is strong and you're secure in your calling when you live to serve, not to be served. I love that the same Saul who becomes Paul speaks to the church in Ephesus as he's departing for Jerusalem in Acts 20. He says, in everything I did, not just in what I said, I showed you that this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself. In other words, don't make me quote Jesus on you right now. It is more blessed to give 
than to receive. This is what I love about the house of hope. I love that we're willing to say, we'll do some hard work. Do you know how much generosity it has taken from your life, from our church, to bless the hurting in our city at the level that we've walked in? This has been hard work. This has been sacrifice and surrender, but it's not without an incredible reward. This is hands-on help. It's no longer enough to love from a distance. You gotta get your hands dirty, loving the people and broken people that are all around you. If you're not signed up to serve right now, go to next today. I'm telling you, this will activate more God opportunity when you live selflessly and surrender because saved people serve people. Ananias says, Jesus has sent me to f- so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit can be so used weirdly or awkwardly. That's just, I have so much of the presence of the living God on the inside of me that I'm not empty or thirsty for anything else. I'm already full. Here we see the apostle, well not yet, Saul becoming the apostle Paul, who's hungry, has no vision, he is thirsty. And here comes Ananias, this everyday hero in the relationship risk and says, I have something that will actually satisfy you. It's the Holy Spirit. And this is God's calling for your life. Being filled with the Holy Spirit isn't all about your spiritual gifts. It's not a badge that you wear that you're better than another person or another type of believer, no. You should be so filled with the Holy Spirit to the brim that when you bump into someone, it spills off on them. I tell you, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you have got a bad attitude or a bad spirit, you ain't filled to the full of the Holy Spirit. Heroes are hands-on in their help and heroes carry a spirit that's contagious. Your Monday, tomorrow, might be their big day of breakthrough. Your bad day that you're having and you're mad at the world might be the worst day of their life. This is why you've got to stay full of the Holy Spirit so that people can catch what you've got. And if people acted like you and talked like you and lived like you, would it be an example of Jesus or would it be an example of ordinary like everybody else? This is where we gotta have a spirit that's optimistic because God is good and he does good. In a world that's gone wrong, in a world that's at war, guess what? We've already been settled and received. It's already finished at the cross. We've been accepted. And this should change our behavior and our attitude because every single day is an opportunity of destinies to be defined. The impact of your risk is greater than you'll ever know. Very quickly, I wanna share this with you. A man named Edward Kimball who was a Sunday, Sunday school teacher in 1880s. I'm from the 80s, 19s. He worked in a shoe store. And he had a burden on his heart to a shoe salesman that came through that he wanted to share his faith with him. And he didn't know how to be received, but he did it anyway. He shared with a, his the shoe salesman that came through time to time that he had a friendship with. He had a relationship risk with a guy named Dwight, assistant to the regional manager, Dwight. What you don't know about Dwight is that he went on to receive Jesus that day, but that wasn't the end of his destiny. His name is D.L. Moody, and maybe to grow up in church and understand the importance of Moody Bible Institute and Moody Bible Press. He was an amazing evangelist. His work and legacy carries to this day. Through the influence of Moody came Frederick B. Meyer, who got saved and stepped into his evangelistic, beginning to 
go to the world just like Moody did and share Jesus. Meyer reached a college student looking for help and hope in a service that he held named Wilbur Chapman. Wilbur Chapman became an evangelist. Wilbur Chapman trained up and disciple former baseball player, an amazing evangelist named Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday preached a crusade, the first time it ever happened in Charlotte, North Carolina. And it was so powerful and touched the heart of local business owners that they had to bring him back. He says, we gotta do this again. We got more friends and more people that need to get saved. Would you come back? And originally he said yes. And then he had a, 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 a scheduling conflict. And so he suggested someone else, a man by the last name of Ham. Great last name, by the way, making you hungry here this Sunday. Ham went to do the second camp meeting that Billy Thunday did the first. And one of the last nights, this young farmer, a dairy farmer came forward to receive Jesus. His name was Billy Graham. Billy Graham, just in his live events and crusades around the world, saw millions of people, reached billions through television. 3.2 million people live in person said yes to Jesus because of the ministry of Billy Graham. In August of 1952, one of those 3.2 million is my dad. Last week, I preached Relationship Risk. Two people that I know of on our team shared their faith with a friend and led them in a prayer to receive the gift of Jesus and his beautiful grace. So what happened in 1885 is impacting 2020. This is why your life is more significant than you know. This is why the gospel is not a secret to be kept. It's a mission. It's a mandate. I like to call it the dominoes, listen, of destiny. That God lines them up one by one. There's you, and there's you, and there's you, and there's me. And it's all of us in line and in order. So when the momentum of God moves through us, we don't push back. We fall into it. And the next thing happens, and the next life is changed. And before you know it, there's a revival that started with a risk. What's your risk? Who's the person? Who's the family you're praying for? Who's the coworker you're gonna take the step? Where are the heroes at? I feel like God is telling Hillsong, Kansas City, it's our time. Here we are, God. You can use us. You can do what you wanna do, what you've been planning on do. We'll put hands on in our help. We're not preaching at people. We're loving, we're serving people. And the momentum doesn't stop with me that what you do today and tomorrow and the next season of your life could make an impact 140 years later. But I guarantee you, you might not have the chain of events that we saw happen in that story. But the life that you live and the way that you love can be changed to one story. And that might not, that's not a 140 years story, that's an eternal story. There's someone God's called you to reach. If we have more heroes like Ananias, we would have more heroes like the Apostle Paul. Maybe not everybody can be an apostle, but everybody can be an Ananias. Everybody can be a hero. Your life is more heroic and more significant than you might ever know in this lifetime. But one day, on the return of our King, 
It will settle up the significance of your investment, which will pale in comparison to what he's done for us. We will take the crowns of privilege and honor for all that we've done for him. We'll give it right back to him and your reward will be great. But in view of the eternity of what he's done for you, it is so insignificant. This is why we offer our lives to him. We're gonna worship and I pray the Holy Spirit does something, unlocking something in your life unlocking a new voice, unlocking a new strength, a new tenacity, a new love, a new perspective, a new vision. Maybe you need the blinders to come off and to begin to see the world again. Keep that zeal that you've had for all the things that you have been against and now turn it towards your energy, towards the things that you're for. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you brought us to this place. Those that are watching, those that are listening, those that are, are hearing what I have to say. More importantly, what are you saying to them? Lord, I thank you right now. You are unlocking opportunities for destiny-defining moments. Lord, we're not trying to be famous. We're trying to make you famous. And we say, God, you can use us. We'll be heroic for you. If there's a relationship that needs a risk, we'll take it. The answer is already yes, God. What would you like us to do? Where would you like us to go? Who do you want us to reach? And Lord, I thank you that like dominoes falling in order, destinies are being aligned in the house of God today, that it will spill out into the streets. It's gonna touch the heart of our nation. It's gonna impact the United States. It's gonna carry off to the world. And we'll never know the fullness of our faith. We'll never know the reward of our risk until you come back. But Lord, until that time, while you tarry, we're here to work and to carry a holy calling. I think you are anointing everyone here to their place of calling and leadership that we will not sit by idly like the world falls away. We won't live in a bubble of our own creation. We're going to bring breakthrough, help, and healing, grace, and the gospel to the world around us in the mighty name of Jesus. Let's worship.